Three weeks ago, I think uh, it was, I began this particular series of studies on God is our strength. And uh, in a couple of weeks ago, then we had uh, uh, a video. We have been doing that once uh, and the fourth, we'd been kind of allocating the fourth Sunday night of each month to be watching a video from uh, World, World WVBS, right? WVBS and uh, some, of the, some wonderful preachers from there. And then last Sunday night uh, was singing night. That was the fifth Sunday night. And so that was singing night. And so it's been three weeks since we started this particular lesson. But God is our strength. And as I've been bringing these Sunday evening lessons for quite some time now, I guess it's been probably close to a year now, beginning with a study about the flood in Noah's day in Genesis chapter six and, and onward, I, I've been trying to emphasize that I want these particular studies to really encourage us in strengthening our faith. And so that's what I want this to be, to be accomplishing as well, this God is our strength. And then asking the question, kind of a subtitle to it, is are you trying to handle things alone? That is by yourself. And we ought to learn the lesson that we should not be trying to handle our difficulties or even our life in general by ourselves. We need God's strength, we need his guidance. And so prayerfully and hopefully these, these studies on Sunday nights are going to be strengthening, faith strengthening and building lessons. So as we began with some introductory, introductory materials, I guess I ought to turn that on there. Um, we, we talked about how God is our refuge and strength in times of trouble and struggle, but also just in making some decisions, common decisions that we need to make on a common basis. God is our strength. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, verses, beginning with verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Well, we don't need to fear if God is our strength. And a series of heart troubles that I have been uh, doing on, in our podcasting, the short 13 minute podcasts every day, trying to get that out to people all over the world. One of those is, you know, one heart problem or problem of the heart is fear. And so we, we need to understand that if we're walking with God, we need not fear because God ultimately will be there with us and for us and see us through even if the times may be difficult that we're, we're dealing with at that particular time and uh, whatever that situation might be. God is our refuge. Think about that word refuge. We could think of refuge as a place of protection. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed. Now look at these illustrations. Even though these things might happen, and some people might say, wow, if those things happen, those would be cataclysmic, at least some of them. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, though all of that might happen, what's the point? We need not fear, because God is our refuge and strength. And then also, we can always trust in God in all situations, all the time. In Psalm 62, in verse 2, he, is my, he, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then also in, in verses 6 through 8, 
The psalmist goes on and he says, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And I believe that we could probably go over and over and over verses, of, you know, text after text after text of scripture, getting across the same basic message to us that we can have confidence in God. We can trust in him to watch over us, take care of us and see us through. God is our refuge and strength in the face of temptation. Now that's one that we really need to take to heart because the devil is active all the time. He's always after us. Peter, the apostle, describes him or identifies him as our adversary, our enemy. And he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. So in the face of that, do we need to fear the devil? We need to respect that he is out there and that he's powerful in an evil way. But we need not fear him because God is our refuge and strength even in the face of temptation. What a great verse of scripture. I know I emphasize this often and repeatedly, but what a great verse of scripture. This, was, this is a verse that really, really impacted my thinking, oh, a great many years ago, that because of what Paul writes here about God being there for us and with us in the face of temptation, whatever that temptation might be, we need not fear that we are somehow going to have to sin because God has fixed it so we don't have to sin. We don't have to give in to the temptation. Paul wrote, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So whatever the devil might throw at each one of us individually, we need not think, boy, this is a brand new temptation. Nobody's ever seen a temptation like this. I don't know if I can handle this because it's absolutely unique. It's a first time kind of event. No. Whatever kind of temptation that the devil might throw at us, basically, he's already thrown that at mankind in a general way for ages. And so no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common with man. And what a great statement in the middle of this verse. God is faithful. So we can take to heart, we can have confidence, we can lean on that particular assurance that God is is faithful. How is he faithful? What's the application here? God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will be faithful to us, is what it's really saying. God will be faithful to not let the devil throw any kind of temptation at us that is too overwhelming that we cannot possibly say no to it because God will always be there to make the way of escape. He'll always be there with his strength to see us through. What a great assurance, great assurance. Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. God knows how, whatever the devil might throw at us, whatever we might be confronted with, and, and the devil can use situations that in and of themselves are not necessarily temptations, but they're just difficulties of life, 
illness, injury, uh, financial setbacks, relational problems. Now those are not necessarily temptations in and of themselves, but the devil knows how to work behind the scenes to use those to tempt us to turn away from God and into sin. But God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Again, that familiar text of scripture that we really need to have burned into our brain. James 4, verses 7 and 8. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And how how do we make the devil flee from us? By submitting to God. And then James goes on and explains further, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if we submit our lives, our will to God's will, then there won't be any room for the devil in our lives. There won't be any room for the devil to, to bring us away from God because we're walking with God. We have cleansed our hands. We have purified our hearts through the blood of Christ and God will always be there with us as long as we're always there with God, walking with him in faithful obedience on a consistent basis. You can be sure that God will never tempt you himself. James wrote in James chapter one, beginning with verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone himself. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. If we give in to some of those sinful desires that the devil may try to plant into our heads, well then we are the the ones who are in error there. But it's not God or it's not a weakness on God's part. We're giving in to those temptations. We're giving in to those desires. And the devil knows how to make evil look good and attractive. He does it all the time. So each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. But God will never tempt us. The Lord, in fact, will guard you from the evil one as long as again you are walking faithfully and consistently and obediently with him. What great verses of scripture these are. John 17 and verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Now this is the night of Jesus's betrayal. The next day is gonna be on the cross. He's praying in this particular part of, of this text in John chapter 17, specifically for the apostles. And so he tells, he prays to God, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The evil one being the devil. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse three, Paul writes along the same line, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. What great statements these are. What, how encouraging these verses are that God will guard us from the evil one, from the devil, as long as we are walking with God. 1 John chapter five and verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. I believe the, the, the tenses of the Greek verb here in John do not necessarily translate well into English. And so someone would might read that and say, well, I'm doomed because I sin from time to time. 
But I, I believe it's the understanding that whoever has been born of God, been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, become Christians, does not continue to live in a lifestyle of sinfulness. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Well, again, the devil can have no power over us as long as we are walking with God faithfully. And again, what great verses of scripture these are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verses 8 and 9, Paul wrote, and I've inserted another translation here to help us probably get a better understanding of what he's writing here. And so Paul wrote, who will, who will also confirm, or the Revised Standard Version says here, sustain you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, the statement is again, by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so God is faithful. He will confirm, he will sustain you to the end again, as long as you walk with him faithfully. And that means obedience too. Hebrews 13 and verse five, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, a whole lot of people leave God and they forsake God. And we're seeing that in our country right now in a wholesale kind of way. But as long as we're walking with God faithfully, he will never leave us. He, is not, he did not program us to be, you know, automatons to not be able to walk away from him, to not be able to be disobedient to him. He, he made us, he created us with free will. We have the, the, the ability to love him in response to his love for us. And that love would necessarily, if it's true love, it's necessarily going to include obedience. Remember what Jesus said in John 14 and, 15, and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said it again in verse 21. He said it again in verse 23. And so if, if we truly love God, we will be living for him. And God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, we may leave God, but he will not leave us as long as we don't leave him. Then when Jesus told the apostles to uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples of all the nations, Matthew 28 and verse 19. In verse 20, he told them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the end of the world, amen. So God will never leave us as long as we never leave God. He'll be there with us and for us. Remember what Jesus said at the end of Matthew chapter six, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And he's just been talking about the, the necessities of life. Jesus actually prayed for Peter. Being divine, Jesus knew Peter was really gonna be put to the test that very night. The devil was gonna tempt him with the appearance of danger to his personal physical well-being and Jesus knew that he was going to succumb to the temptation. In fact, Jesus knew he was going to succumb to the temptation three times that very night. Jesus was going to be taken 
prisoner by the Jewish authorities. He was going to be run through a series of mock hearings, trials, and he was going to be on the cross the next day. Peter was going to be confronted with having been with Jesus, having been one of his disciples. And Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. So think about that. Jesus said, I prayed for you or I am praying for you. That's how much God loves us. That's how close God will watch over us. Again, if we're walking with him and remember that God is patient, he wants all to come to repentance. Second Peter three and verse nine. I wonder if when Peter wrote that particular verse by inspiration, maybe he swelled up, you know, in his thinking and his emotions thinking, I'm sure God, I'm sure glad God is, is patient with me, that he's given me the chance to repent. In Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, speaking to Peter, indeed Satan has asked for you, and that ought to send chills up and down her spine, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. Jesus prayed for Peter that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, and there's the indication that Jesus understands Simon's going to deny him. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And Peter, of course, became a powerful gospel preacher and an apostle who spread the gospel. We don't even know how far. Jesus prayed for Peter. And we are able to pray to God for strength and deliverance ourselves. Matthew 6 and verse 13, when Jesus was teaching the apostles how to pray, he said he gave them something of a model prayer. And he said, do not, and part of that prayer said, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so this is, this is an aspect or a facet of a prayer that you ought to keep in your mind and in your heart and continue to pray to God about. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, when Jesus went into the garden, Gethsemane, to pray that evening before he was betrayed by Judas and taken into custody, before he was going to be on the cross that next day, he comes back, he'd taken Peter, James, and John with him a little farther into the garden from where he had left the rest of the apostles, and he comes back and they're sleeping. And so he tells them, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus gave a great example to us and, and the relationship. It, it, we ought to really grasp and, and, and hold on to that God cares about us that deeply, that personally, that Jesus told Peter, I prayed for you. And we are told, we are assured, we can pray ourselves individually and personally for our deliverance from temptation. Persevering against temptation with God's strength then makes us stronger. God did not say, 
I will remove any temp all temptations from you. He simply said, I'll be faithful to you as long as you're faithful to me and I'll always make the way for you to be able to say no to the temptation. Persevering against temptation through God's strength makes us stronger individually, spiritually. James wrote in James chapter one, verses two and three, my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then in chapter five, in verse 11, James goes on and he said, indeed we count them blessed who endure, who endure without succumbing to, obviously, the temptation. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end, of, uh, the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Persevering against temptation, leaning upon God for his strength, trusting him that he'll always be there with us and make the way for us to say no to the sinful temptation, that actually makes us stronger. Working with God, him seeing us through, we end up stronger in the end than we were to begin with. We develop greater perseverance and stronger character. In Romans chapter five, beginning with verse three, Paul wrote not only that, but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, we glory in tribulations. It's not fun to be tempted by, by you know, the devil, but leaning upon God and his strength and his promise that he'll always be with us and always see us through as long as we're holding on to his hand, he'll never let go of ours. We have, we have assurance there and we have strength as we go through that temptation and say, nope, not gonna succumb, not gonna give in, not gonna sin. We become stronger in our Christian character, our spiritual well-being. God designed a relationship in the church to provide greater spiritual strength. And so many people are missing the boat, so to speak, in this regard. They're not really gaining all of the strength, spiritual strength that is made available to them by God because their relationship with the church is somewhat minimal. There is strength in being together as God's church, worshiping God together, studying his word together, singing praises together, praying together, communing around the Lord's table together. There's strength in numbers and God has designed that relationship in the church to provide us even greater strength against all that the devil might throw at us. God has designed our relationship in the church to provide us even more strength as we come together and as we lean upon our familyhood within the Lord's church. Galatians chapter six, beginning with verse one, look at what Paul says. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any fault or any trespass, you who are spiritual, in other words, the rest of the congregation, the rest of his brothers and sisters in Christ, you who are spiritual, restore such a one 
in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Greek that is translated burdens in this particular verse indicates burdens that are overwhelming, that I cannot handle by myself at that particular time. And so he says, the rest of you, within the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ, you bear those burdens with that brother or sister who is struggling with them at that time. And so watch out for one another, not pointing fingers, not trying to be spiritual policemen or judges, you know, you know, looking down our nose at somebody, but help a struggling brother or sister in Christ. And if they have slipped into sin, help them in love and patience and the spirit of gentleness, Paul says, to come back to faithfulness and obedience. In Ephesians 6 and verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We need to be praying for one another. I certainly need your prayers and be assured I pray for you. You need my prayers. You need the prayers of that brother or sister in the seat in front of you or next to you or behind you. We all need the prayers of each other. The Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 23, he said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And look at this verse 24, and let us consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then he goes on in verse 25 and he says, what is a great way, what is a great base or a great great uh, environment for us to, to really hold on to our faith and also to strengthen and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ and benefit from their strength and encouragement for my spiritual strength and well-being. He said in the next verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And so God has designed our relationship with the church and in the church to provide us even greater strength against temptation in the face of temptation. God is our refuge and strength in the face of temptation. Again, the subtitle, are you trying to handle things alone? You trying to do it by yourself? Not gonna work. You need God's strength. You need that refuge that is in him. If you're at the point where you know what you need to do, and you're ready to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we encourage you to take that step this evening. We're here to help you. We're here to encourage you along that line. If you need to study some more, all you need to do is ask us. We'll, we'll make that happen. If you need the prayers of the church, we're here. Step forward. Let us know so we can pray with you and for you this very evening. Or speak to us privately, and we'll pray together privately. Prayer is powerful not because of we who say the prayer, but because of him to whom we pray. Nothing is impossible for God. Luke 1 and verse 37. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together 
and sing.